All right, so let's go ahead and get this started. If you have a Bible and you're kind of and you're kind of savvy going through it, that's good. You can follow along tonight. We're going to be kind of trucking into a lot of different passages to kind of get some points driven home, and so you don't have to follow along right away, but the verses that I want to sit on tonight we'll have up on the screen as well. And so um, we've been talking about a study, right? A study in what does it mean to actually be saved? How then shall we live? We went through Romans, and we talked about the foundations of the gospel. We, uh, we've talked about different spiritual disciplines. We've been talking about prayer. We talked about what that gut feeling was, that conviction, um, we talked about the importance of church with uh, Caleb and Jose as they were teaching. Uh, and so we've, we've really hit on all these different foundations, but I think it's super important because I think one of the most naive things that anyone could ever do as they're teaching the Bible is assume that all of us in this room tonight are saved. That all of us in this room tonight have truly understood the gospel message. And I think it would be also very dumb to say that all of us remember each day why we need the gospel. I think there is a lot of us in this room tonight who might already be saved, but we forget the gospel very quickly in, the day, in our days as we're walking. We forget that we're supposed to live different. We forget that we're targeted differently. And so this world teaches us a lot of things. And, and just to really dive in right away, um, there's, a, there's this narrative in the gospel of Mark, um, which is one of the what? It's one of the four gospels. Good job. One of the four gospels it's in Mark, Mark chapter 10. And pretty much Jesus and the disciples are on this journey, and all of a sudden this rich young ruler comes up to him, and, and he starts talking, and he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, he goes and he starts off and he says, um, and as he set out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, so this rich young ruler asking, goes, goes to Jesus and he says, hey, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandment, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. How many of you hold that last one? Yeah, that's what I thought. There's a lot of us who probably need some help on that last one. We think we honor them and then until we get a timeout after, you know, you're too old for timeout, I think. I don't know. But you get your phones taken away. Who knows? But honor your father and mother. And this is what the rich young ruler says. See, I think he's a teenager in my eyes because it says he's young. I think he's a teenager. And this is his answer. He goes, teacher. All of these I have kept from my youth. And this is really where I want to sit is, is, and Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, you lack one thing. He's like, man, what? I lack one thing? How in the world can I lack one thing? He says this. He says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And in verse 22 of Mark chapter 10, it says, disheartened, meaning he was just depressed. He was, he was sorrowful. By that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had a great possession. See, I think some of us in here tonight, we get stuck on this, on this reality that we are morally good, that we're good people, that God, that, that we're just, we were born and we've just been good. We've been good guys. We've been good women. And we go through life. And, and every time people say, hey, like, what do you think about heaven? Our go-to saying is, well, like, I do more good than bad, right? The rich young ruler, I've held all your commands. But he was so focused on everything that he could do and everything that he owned that he lost sight of what Jesus was actually talking to him about. 
Because I think a lot of times people read this and they're like, see, Jesus just said, sell everything, give, do good charity things, give it to Goodwill, go give it to the thrift center, right? Go help sponsor some missions trips. Like that's gonna get you to heaven. Just be a good person. You don't have to talk about Jesus. You don't have to, you know, pray out in the lunchroom before your meal. You don't have to, you know, attend church. Just be good. Right? It doesn't matter about anything else. As long as you do good things, God's okay with you. See, and the rich young ruler completely misunderstood what Jesus was saying. What he was saying is, he says, listen, sell all you have, give it to this board, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he says the real fruit and says, come and follow me. To go sell everything you own, to go follow a person, that takes faith. So Jesus was actually talking to him about where are you placing your trust? Where are you placing your hope? Where are you placing your faith? See, the rich young ruler in the Gospel of Mark, he was placing it in everything he owned and all the good that he could do. He said, I'm morally good. He said, I do more good than bad, so God's gonna be okay with me. It doesn't matter where I stand with Jesus, I do enough good. And so we have to understand that if we think that good deeds good thoughts, good deeds, translates to a clean heart, you're wrong. Your good deeds don't get you into heaven. Your good deeds don't earn the love of God. I think some of us do that with even our own families, right? If we do enough good, then, you know, maybe dad will pay attention. If we do enough good, mom won't yell. Right? We, we have all these thoughts And we don't realize that it's never about the actions. It's not about the good deeds. It's about the heart and the faith behind them. And so you say, okay, well, that's not what I think anyway, so I don't care. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you said that. There's a lot of us who think that if we're just successful, right? Not even if we're just good people, but if we're successful this side of heaven, God's going to bless us, right? Because all the earthly good things that you and I can get, that's obviously because God loves us and he's blessing us, right? So the more money you get, the nicer clothes that you have, the more friends that you might be, the more, most popular person you are at school, like all these good things, right? All this, all this success, the good grades, the perfect checklist and attendance at church, all these, all these good earthly markers. You're like, yeah, I'm top athlete. Like I bring my Bible to church all the time, right? Like I got all these earthly successes. God's gonna look at that and go, oh, okay, you fit the bill. You're into heaven. And I think some of us live life that way. We live life that way thinking, man, if I'm successful here on earth, obviously that means God loves me. And so I'm gonna go to heaven. I don't need to worry about the gospel or my sin because I'm successful. So obviously I'm not that sinful. And if we go to the gospel of Luke, there's another amazing story that Jesus teaches us, and it's about uh, the rich man and Lazarus. And so pretty much, it goes like this in Luke chapter 16. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple. Be, having purple back then was like super fancy. So everyone wearing purple now, like it's nothing. Like that was top notch back then, okay? He was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted a lot every day. It's a really big word. And at his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus. Covered in sores, he desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his wounds. That's how broken this guy was to the point where stray dogs were like, we feel bad for you, bro. And were licking his wounds, trying to make him feel better. 
And the poor man died and was carried off by angels into Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus. Look, these two are now dead on the other side of eternity. And the rich man is still trying to boss around the poor guy. He says, send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. And verse 25 is really the highlight for us in this mentality that if we're successful on earth, that automatically means you're going to heaven. Abraham says this to the rich man. He says, child, remember that you in your life received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he comfort, uh, he's comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all of this, besides the fact that this redemptive story took place, that the poor man who trusted in God and had his faith in God was brought to his eternal end and comfort, and the poor man who put all his faith in his success on earth was in eternal anguish. Besides that, besides the earthly rewards being pushed out, he says this. He says, and besides all this, between you and us, is a great chasm, and in order, oh, and that's put there in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to, and none may be able to cross there to us. And in verses 27 through 30, he's pretty much going, if only I knew this on the other side. He's pretty much telling Abraham, send Lazarus to go to my brothers who are still alive so they don't fall in the same trap that I do. See, there's another lie this world teaches you. There's another lie that some people who try to teach you the Bible will tell you. There's no second chances. So this whole mentality where you guys are like, I'm gonna live it up now, like when I'm old like Pastor Mitch, then like I'll get my life right with Jesus. Don't. Don't have that mentality. There's enough of us in this room who can tell you that life can be over in an instant. There's too many of you guys who have lost friends your age. A few years back when my wife was still attending Keswick Christian School, this was a girl who was a few grades younger than her. She was just out tubing one day on Lake Seminole. Do you think that that was going to be her last experience? Neither did she until a jet skier ran her over on her tube. And you know what was amazing about that is she had placed her faith in Jesus. And at her funeral, her friends were coming to know Jesus. Like we're hoping that some of you in this room do tonight through her life, because she understood that it's never too soon to place your faith in Jesus. She wasn't banking on the fact that she was privileged enough to have a boat and go tubing on a lake. I had a kayak. I, wasn't, I didn't even know about tubing when I was her age. None of that fazed her. What she bought into was the gospel. She understood that her earthly success and her family's success had nothing to do with where she was going to go to be in heaven one day. She understood the gospel message just as much as Lazarus, the poor man, where dogs were licking his wounds. He understood, I'm a sinner, and it's only by having faith in God and his promise that I'm going to get to heaven. It's not like the rich man who won't even give me the scraps from his table. So when we think that earthly success translates to heavenly success, that's false. So we've now, we've now understood that being morally good, just being good people, doesn't get you to heaven. 
being wildly successful at life doesn't get you into heaven. But Pastor Mitch, like, I got good attendance at youth group. Like, I memorize scripture. Like, I, I, go, to, I go to church on Sundays. Like, I do Bible study with my parents, right? Like, we, 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 we're doing all this stuff. Well, let me take you just a few chapters down in Luke chapter 18, verses 19 through 14. It says, he says, he also told his parables. So Jesus told parables, which were he- or earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And so he said this. He said, to some who trust in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. See, this is the story in, in, in uh, verse 10 of chapter 18. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray. All right, we're on a great start. We're going to church to pray, right? One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So one is a very religious man, and the other one, tax collectors in their days were like bounty hunters of our day. Like no one liked them, and no one knew where they stood. You just had no idea, right? And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed this. (laughs) He prayed this out loud. He goes, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I'm not like the exhorters and the unjust and the adulterers and even like that tax collector. That's like me standing up here and going, God, thank you that I'm not like Nick Irizarry. God, thank you that I'm not like Mr. Hollenbeck back there. Thank you so much that I'm not like those people. Thank you that I can be different. That's the same equation here. It's one of the plagues, so you guys better listen to this gospel message. (laughs) So this guy, now we're going to focus back in. This guy's praying very self-righteously, right? He's going, man, thank you I'm like none of these idiots back here. Thank you I'm not like these losers, like this tax collector who's coming to pray. And then it goes on, and it says, he, he goes, I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I can. I, but this tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. So this, this guy's lifting his eyes up to heaven going, God, thank you that I'm so prideful. And the tax collector can't even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is the tax collector. He said, God, just be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. He understood that even though he was doing the same thing that the other guy was doing, he was doing it because he understood who God was and who he was. He wasn't prideful. And verse 14 says, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So I hate to burst your bubble, but just because you might come to Indian Rocks Christian School all your life, just because your parents are believers, just because your grandma makes you come to church on Sunday, just because you have a Bible at your house, none of that makes you a Christian. You can memorize the whole Bible for all I care. But if you don't stand justified in the eyes of God through Jesus Christ alone, you'll know the whole Bible while you go to hell. You can be the sweetest person who holds the door for every old lady at the bank. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be a door greeter in hell, I guess. Do you, I, I hope you understand, right? It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how successful this side of heaven you might be. It doesn't matter how many religious, churchy things that you do. 
Some of you might even have little Awana vests in your closet with all the plaques on it, right? None of that matters because Romans 3.23, we have the verse that we can put up. And you guys are gonna, be, you're gonna memorize this verse by the time I'm out of here and with my life or whatever. But Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of you in this room, is, there's no one exempt. There's not an asterisk. There's not a, there's not a side note. There's not a call-in that says, yeah, well, Mr. Chad, well, he's exempt because he's Chad the dad, right? Like he's, he's not a sinner. No, all of us, Chad, myself, uh, Jeff, right? Jose, Caleb, David, we're all sinners, all of us sitting in this room. We are guilty, and if we don't find a way to justify this, we're going to hell. We'll be separated from God forever. And so we go on to the next verse, right? We find these ways of being morally good. We think if we've been good that we can justify this. We think if we're successful, we can justify being a sinner. We think if that we just go to church and never really deal with Jesus, that we can save ourselves from sin. But Romans 6, 23 tells us something different. It says, see, because of our sin, we deserve punishment, which is hell. But the free gift of God is eternal life in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's not in your good works. It's not how popular you are, how many friends you might have, how good you are at sports. It's not how successful you are this side of heaven. None of these things matter. Anything that you can accomplish on your own doesn't save you because it's a free gift. The gospel is a free gift. It's understanding that you are a sinner that can't save yourself and that Christ Jesus came and he died on the cross. He bore your sin and your shame, your mistakes, he bore all your bad decisions and he took it to the cross and he spilt his blood so that if we go to the next section, which is Romans 10, 9 and 10, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there's a lot of us in this room tonight that I think you're kidding yourselves. I think you fall into one of these three categories where you're like, well, yeah, like I go to a Christian school, I come to youth group, I own a Bible at my house, my parents are believers, so I'm good. And so my prayer is tonight that you mm, get over yourself. Get over yourself and get right with God. Get over all the other notions of this world and get right with God. And there's some of you in this room who need to remind yourselves of, who, of what God has saved you from, that God has made you different. You've forgotten the gospel because you feel like you've been saved for so long that it's not that important. And so what I want to do is I want all of us, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. I'm going to ask our leaders to go ahead and stand up in the back because I want us to just take a few moments to reflect on what's taking place. Even if you don't give a single care in the world, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes to respect other people. You can take a nice nap, feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's that gut feeling we were talking about. But I'm just, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna ask. You don't, even if you're saved and you need to make a, make a next step in your faith walk, whether it's getting baptized or diving deeper or finding someone to disciple you or working through something you're struggling with, these leaders are back here for you to talk to. This is more important than the dodgeball tournament we're gonna have. This is more important than the minute to win it. So let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads and we're just, I'm going to pray, and you guys work this out in your own hearts while I pray. Father, just thank you 
Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the fact that there is nothing but Jesus that can save us. God, if you had never sent your son, we would all be going to hell. Rightfully so, being punished for our mistakes and for our sin nature, God, for our bad deeds, for everything that we are, God. We are sinners. And yet you sent your son to die on the cross for us so that if we surrender our lives to him, you forgive us. You give us hope. You give us peace. You give us forgiveness. You give us new life. And I think there's some of us in this room tonight that need to just surrender to you. And so God, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if there are any students, we're doing this even just for your own privacy. If you don't want to feel awkward with people staring you down as you go to walk to the back, I pray if there's someone in this room who needs to go talk to a leader, I would just put your hand up. Just put your hand up. Let me know that you want to talk to a leader. I see you. I see you all. Go ahead. Those of you who are raising your hands, go ahead to the back and find your leader. Everyone else, heads bowed, eyes closed. And as you're going through tonight, God, I pray over these students who are still talking to you personally right now that if something hits them before this night is over, that they'll find their youth leader and talk it through, God, because I think there is just some of us, we're kidding ourselves if we think we're truly saved. And so, God, I don't want a single student to leave here tonight not knowing that they are a sinner, but in Christ Jesus, they can have new life. God, that if they just confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that you genuinely rose them from the dead, that they can be saved. I'm gonna ask the rest of our leaders, just extend your hands out toward these students. And students, we're just gonna wrap this up and we're just gonna pray over you that, Father, as we go into this rest of this night and just have fun and develop relationships and hang out with our youth leaders and our youth team, God, that you work on their hearts, that you know that all these leaders that are standing around these room, this room, they could be doing literally anything else, and yet they understood that that whole list we just walked through, it doesn't save them. And some of these leaders are wildly successful, and some of these leaders are the most kind-hearted people that I know, and some of these leaders are the most faithful to the church that I know, and yet they know none of that saves, only Jesus does. And so God, help us to just grow as a family, to come together and just be people on fire for the gospel. God, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this all in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right.